Good morning, and welcome to Living Way Church's online live stream. We're so happy you've chosen to join us this morning as we begin the celebration of what is commonly called Holy Week. This week is written about by the authors of the four Gospels more than any other single period of time in Jesus' life. So, we're going to take all week and try to, as closely as we can, walk with Jesus through this week. We're going to be putting together a devotional video for each day of the week this week, culminating with our message Sunday morning when we celebrate Easter and the risen Jesus Christ. I have a question for you today, though. How's your spiritual health? I suspect that many of us would actually have a hard time answering that question. Why? Because we don't tend to think about our spiritual health very often. <clears throat> we take our physical health quite serious, usually at least. Regular checkups with our doctor, doctor, taking our medicines on time as prescribed, eating well, exercising maybe. But how many of us have actually taken inventory of our own spiritual lives? The difficulty is, how do you even begin to do that and do it well? Some of you might say, well, I read the Bible every day and I pray often. But do those events in your life guarantee spiritual health? I would say they are pieces of a puzzle. Listen, I could read a book on heart surgery, but it certainly wouldn't make me a heart surgeon. How closely are you walking with Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? How clearly are you hearing from the Father? If you're not sure, then the answer to my question is that your spiritual health is probably not very healthy. No matter how we answer this question, though, all of us could be healthier in our spiritual lives. This week, as we walk with Jesus, my hope is that each one of us will come closer to Jesus. We'll experience Jesus in a fresh new way, perhaps. I hope that the Holy Spirit will fall fresh upon us and his fruit will spill forth from our lives into the lives of others, and that we will hear that still, small voice of the Father, and we will obey. If this is what you want and desire more of in your life, then let's walk together this week and walk with Jesus. Through this holy week, through this week of passion, let's begin with prayer. Lord Jesus, this week that we're walking through right now, is and was perhaps the most important of your life. It is the week where you declare to the world that you are our prophet, priest, and king. Help us to see this clearly this week, Lord. Help us to rely on your voice as our prophet over our lives. Help us to rely on your sacrifice for us as our great high priest. And help us to give our lives over to you that you might rule over us as our almighty king. Bless us this week, Lord just as we walk with you. Amen. We begin our walk today with what is commonly called Palm Sunday. We'll be walking primarily through Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 13 this morning. And we've provided other passages online on our website for you. Let's read our passage today. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt behind, by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. <clears throat> the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit upon. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others caught, cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus then entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. Now at this point, Jesus has been living with the apostles for about three years. And his life has been moving specifically toward this very point in time. This week is the exclamation point on his messianic ministry. And it all begins with his entry into the city of the great king. As he triumphantly enters Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the very center of Israel's spiritual life and hope of their messianic redemption. Many Israelites during this time were looking for a Messiah to be revealed in Jerusalem, in part because of what is written in Psalm chapter 48. Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zephon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. And a great king is what many in Israel are praying for and hoping God will deliver. Jerusalem is about to become the primary location that Jesus reveals his messianic identity. In this final week of his life, Jesus is going to reveal the ultimate purpose of his earthly mission, the redemption of mankind. Today is what we celebrate as Palm Sunday. It is in commemoration of what we call Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. Jesus is about to enter the great city as a king. During this time period, it was not uncommon for kings to enter a city one of two distinct ways, either on a war horse, for obvious reasons, or they would come in peace upon a donkey. Jesus still is still yet to come to Jerusalem as the conquering king. He will. His return as conquering king is recorded in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Instead, during this holiest of weeks, Jesus has come in peace. He has come as a lamb. And so he sends two of his disciples ahead of them to acquire for him a donkey and a colt. He tells them to go, and they will find them in the village ahead, which would have been Bethphage or Bethany, and that they are to simply untie them and bring them to him. But if anyone questions you, because it looks like you are taking someone's property, he tells them, simply say, the Lord needs them. That's it. And it works. You see, that's just Jesus. At the outset, this might seem very strange to us, 
that Jesus would tell them to go and get a donkey and a colt. Wait, you thought I was talking about him just saying the Lord needs them, didn't you? <laughs> I got nothing on that one. We done left that thing behind and moved on because there's no explaining that other than Jesus. But why does Jesus need a donkey and a colt? Matthew tells us that Jesus did all of this as a fulfillment of prophecy spoken in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, that reads, Say to daughter Zion, see, your, comes to, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is intentionally declaring himself to be king. We will see this in the reaction of many of the people of Jerusalem. They understood the statement that Jesus was making when he entered Jerusalem. Now Jesus is entering Jerusalem during the Passover. And during the Passover, Messianic anticipation is at its greatest. There would have been people from all over Israel. And word of Jesus just raising Lazarus from the dead after more than three days would have traveled quickly to Jerusalem and through the people in Jerusalem. And yes, for some of you out there who just had that thought, faster than the coronavirus has spread through our world. Too soon, is it? Sorry, moving on. Lazarus' resurrection would have spurred all kinds of interest in the possibility that Jesus is the Messiah, come to rescue his people. Of course, for some in Jerusalem, this is actually a threat. The religious leaders in Jerusalem at the time would have seen that as a threat to the authority that they hold over the people of Israel. The crowds become whipped into a fervor with their own anticipation as the type of messianic savior Jesus is meant to be. It's easy for us to stand back 2,000 years later and scoff at these people, both the religious leaders and the crowds. However, if we were living in a country occupied by, ruled over by, and overtaxed by some foreign nation, we would probably be looking for that conquering king prophecy by the scriptures as well. And if someone comes along and threatens our revered status within society, I don't think any of us would be very happy. I can't say I would have been much different than either of these groups. And yet, here he comes, Jesus. There's been talk of Jesus possibly being the Messiah. And here he is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey as a king. This might be the one to bring military conquest against Rome. And so the crowds celebrate his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. They threw their cloaks upon the ground before Jesus as a sign of their submission to him as king. Others took palm fronds and placed them on the ground before him. You see, the palm frond, the palm had come to symbolize Jewish nationalism and their victory. So we have these crowds coming out of Jerusalem to welcome Jesus as their king. Then as he passes by, they would have fallen in behind him and formed what would have looked like a processional to those who were witnessing it. The crowds would have been made up of several different groups of people. There would have been Jesus' disciples and those who just followed him around, hoping for something different, cool perhaps to happen, a miracle or something. They would have also been joined by the crowds, so many hopeful for a better future, placing all their hope in Jesus as their conquering king. And there would have also been the Pharisees and the Sadducees, some of them, who would have opposed Jesus at every possible turn. Jesus enters Jerusalem, and the crowd is shouting for him, Hosanna to the Son of David! Hosanna in the highest heaven! Hosanna is a transliteration of the Hebrew expression that means, O oh, save! 
this connection of Hosanna and Son of David is clearly messianic. The crowd is claiming him to be the Davidic Messiah, hoping that he has come to save them from their oppression. He has, just not like they expect. And the crowd's response to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem would have incensed the ruling religious leaders. They provided leadership for this nation and for their great city, not some charlatan, not some carpenter's son. They enter the city, and the whole city becomes abuzz with Jesus' name. And the city is asking, who is this? The crowd answers, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Remember, one of the things that Jesus is doing during this week is revealing himself as prophet, priest, and king. Here in just a few verses, the people of Jerusalem have recognized what has been proclaimed by Jesus' life. They have celebrated his triumphal entrance as their king. And now when others ask, who is this? They declare him to be the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Then in verses 12 and 13 of the same chapter, Jesus goes into the temple and cleanses the temple of sin as the great high priest, prophet, priest, and king. The problem the people are going to face is that Jesus has not entered Jerusalem as so many of them are hoping. He has not come as a conquering king to bring war and freedom from the oppression of their physical enemies. Rather, he has come in peace riding on a donkey to triumph over their spiritual enemy, sin. He has brought with him salvation through his righteous sacrifice on the cross that looms so large before him. But right now, in the moment, they cry out, Hosanna, son of David. But in just a few short days, this same crowd is going to cry out, crucify him. Jesus knows their folly. He knows they will so quickly turn against him. And it is this crushing reality that causes Jesus in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44, to weep over this city, Jerusalem. It reads, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus weeps because Jerusalem has rejected him. And that rejection will bring punishment from the Lord. This week, this holy week, is the culmination of Jesus' earthly ministry. In this week, everything that he taught, every miracle he performed, every good deed now finds their ultimate meaning in everything that he does this final week. In this week, Jesus will bring about his kingdom mission. He will establish the new covenant in his blood. In this week, Jesus will sacrifice himself on the cross and bring about the atonement for humanity's sin. The offices of prophet, priest, and king were typically understood by many to be held by separate individuals. So for one person to hold all three would have, would have to make that person something extraordinary. All three offices come together in the person of Jesus, the Messiah. The difficulty is that the way he fulfills these roles confounds the people. He entered Jerusalem as the king, but not to rule as her monarch, 
but rather to bring peace between her and her God through his own death. He clears the temple not simply to cleanse its institutional and ethical integrity of the priestly order, which was marred by sin, but as the high priest who offers himself as the once and for all time sacrifice that brings eternal, eternal forgiveness for sin and direct access to God. He pronounces judgment upon Israel, just as the prophets of the old did. J.I. Packer writes about Jesus being prophet, priest, and king when he writes, It is the glory given him by the Father to be in this way the all-sufficient Savior. We who believe are called to understand this and to show ourselves his people by obeying him as our king, trusting him as our priest, and learning from him as our prophet and teacher. To center on Jesus Christ in this way is the very hallmark of authentic Christianity. Jesus walked this week as our prophet, priest, and king. And the authors of the Gospels recorded more about this week than any other single period of Jesus' life. As such, we must understand the magnitude of the events of this week correctly. Why? Because we can be just like the crowds. We can have hopes and expectations of Jesus that are not realistic as to who he has revealed himself to be. When we come to understand what Jesus intended in this holy week, our own hopes and dreams will be his. This week, I want us to feel the fervor of the crowd, and the great anticipation they had that their king has come to free them from slavery to the Romans, so that when they stand before Pilate, we see why they cried, crucify him. I want us to understand the religious leaders' displeasure and anger towards Jesus as he was upending the apple cart of their religious authority. I want us to experience the love that would have been present between Jesus and the apostles at the Last Supper, and then their dismay when he's arrested, and the confusion at his death. I want us to reflect on Jesus' pain upon the cross and his separation from his eternal Father. When we do this, then this week will become holy for us. I want us to walk with Jesus from the moment he has now entered Jerusalem. As the people have cried out, Hosanna, son of David, as he cleanses the temple, as he sits with the apostles dining one last time, as he prays to the Father in anguish, as he is arrested, as he is falsely accused of crimes, as he is beaten, as he is crucified. Walk with me this week as we walk with Jesus through his final week before his death, his burial. And then we will celebrate his resurrection in the empty tomb, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we come to know Jesus all the better as we walk with him. When we do this, we won't be like the crowds. We will be his brothers and sisters, weeping over his death and then crying in joy at his great resurrection as we walk with him. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us this week as we walk with you to see through the eyes of those whom we read about. Help us to see their story anew. Help us to see your story through eyes stained by the blood of the gospel. Help us to walk with you so that the rest of our lives we might walk closer to you each and every day. Holy Spirit, fill us today that we might know the truth of Jesus Christ as our prophet, priest, and king. And now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you 
with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right.